Well, she's back and here to help us be smarter and better and maybe have some fun, too. Our friend, attorney, author, speaker, radio host, Wendy Patrick, is joining us. Hello, my friend. How are you? Always a pleasure, Mike. I'm doing great. That's good. That's good. I, I, I tapped you on the shoulder because after the past weekend that we had with all of the marching in uh, Washington, D.C. and some of the drama and then the news about the virus and the vaccine and everything going on and maybe recounts and challenges. I figured I need to tap into a great legal mind and get some clarity. So I'm glad you're here now in terms of vaccines. There's all kinds of uh, wordplay going on between the political sides of this. But I look across the pond to Europe to see what the heck is happening, because I think they are going to do things in various European countries that are making me nervous because I think a lot of our friends in the uh, very, let's just say, heavy handed government side of the aisle would like to mirror what's going on in Europe. And I'm worried about forced inoculations. Uh, do I have anything to worry about, Wendy? Yeah, I'll tell you the some of the language as well out of Denmark, for example. And and Mike, you and I have had an eye on this since the beginning. It appears that their laws are a lot more heavy-handed than we have here. And they talk about basically um, replacing an emergency law that they passed in the spring. You and I talked about that in the spring to give the government extended powers. Nobody likes the sound of that in America, do they? No. Extended powers to intervene in society to fight COVID-19, because that would include things like forced inoculation, forced testing, the kinds of things that we wouldn't dream about doing here. But you're right in that we don't want them to set a standard that we will then end up following or at least be inspired by. We don't even want that here, do we? No, we don't. I, I don't want... Well, in some ways, I know there are some people who are saying, well, we do have forced inoculations because we don't want kids going to school if they haven't had their measles shots before they go to school. So in a way, we do have in some ways in our society expectations of compliance to groupthink when it comes to vaccines and there there are the those groups of people called anti-vaxxers who are out there and they get a lot of heat and we have had some some spikes in measles around this country in the last few years and a lot of that they say had to do with anti-vaxxers but some also say it had to do with people coming here from countries that don't have uh, vaccine rules for school-age kids. Is is a forced coronavirus vaccine any different in your mind from a, a measles re- vaccine requirement for a school kid? Well, I think that it's going to have to catch up in terms of effectiveness and acceptability. It's very different. It's apples and oranges right now because, remember, first of all, we don't even have one yet. Secondly, when we do, it won't have time to go through the process that measles and mumps and all the rest of the vaccines that you and I and everybody else, we all have that same identical scar on our arms. Most people, at least if we're over a certain age, I guess, (laughs) but in we're talking about COVID vaccines, we don't have that kind of acceptability yet. What is really catching the attention of people that are following this Denmark law is it's more than forced vaccinations. Remember, it's also talking about people forcibly being tested, hospitalized, 
treated. The concern is that the proposed law gives the government too much power over health care, oversteps boundaries. Remember, they also talked about the fact that when you are looking at this kind of information being accessible by the government, you're also looking at finding out where we are, where we go, what we do. So it's also this association boundary overstepping that may be wrapped in together with this new law, kind of like anything that we pass as a as a bundle. We want to make sure we unbundle it and only pass the kinds of the portions of that law that's absolutely necessary to contain the virus. Yeah, this makes me very, very nervous, very nervous. It seems like it was about a year ago that we were talking about the concerns over China's social credit score system where they were going to give every individual a social credit score the same way you and I have a credit score and that if you didn't behave well if you smoked in public if you were seen screwing around on a train platform you would get social credit score demerits and the Chinese government could restrict what planes you fly, if you were allowed to fly on planes, what trains or buses you took, what apartments you lived in. And we all kind of went, oh, we'll never get there. We're the United States of America. We're all about freedom. And and here we are nervous about forced vaccinations. And in in the state of New York, the governor's saying, you better not have more than 10 people in your house for Thanksgiving. Uh, it seems like we got fast-tracked to China. Well, I don't think that anybody would survive a social credit score here in America. I mean, all, you have to, <laughs> all I have to do is turn on Twitter. It doesn't even matter who I follow. I don't think we're, we're going to institute anything like that anytime soon. But what an interesting conversation, because there are things that you and I have laughed about five years ago that we are now seeing creeping into the fabric of our society. Maybe this forced vaccination, forced testing, maybe that's one of them. And, and you know, there's more. We hate slippery slopes. If we do go down that route, even a little bit, who knows what's next? So I don't want to dismiss anything out of hand, except that I say that's a very interesting social experiment. You've given me an, an idea for my next psychology today column, so be on the lookout for that. <laughs> but yeah, that is, that's why these types of things do make you nervous, especially because you're one of those people that do very much value your freedom. And how far are we going to go? I know I understand public health is important. But so are our freedoms, and we have to find that balance. Yeah, the minute somebody says, well, we do it for the children, yeah. I, I immediately pause and go, okay, you're, you're adding that inflection, and you're probably <laughs> sweeping the horizon with your hand, saying it's for the good of the children. And right, I'm like, right. okay, now you're shaming me into a behavior that I have questions about. And on top of it, I like smaller government, bigger freedoms. I like being able to make my own choice. Yes, but what about your responsibility to all mankind? And, uh, yeah, and right. I, on top of this, Wendy Patrick, who we're talking to our friend, the attorney, the author, the speaker, et cetera, et cetera, ad nauseum. She's got so much going on. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> on top of all of this, Justice Alito last week, speaking to the Federalist Society, said that he seems to be mirroring some of the same concerns I have, that we are now seeing an erosion of our personal liberties on a level that 
he never anticipated would have happened. Right, and it's it's funny that he was the speaker, and I saw that as well last week. And everybody, of course, wanted to talk about Philadelphia and Pennsylvania and all that good stuff that, of course, he cannot comment on. But, yeah, he raised some of the same concerns that many of us have, is if we're going to talk about forced anything, um, boundary probing, boundary pushing, government actually having the power to do more and more, you do have justices like Alito that are not thrilled with that, nor would the new appointees. Remember, the president appointed almost as many, uh, and there's only one other president that appointed three during his term, but now it's a conservative majority that probably also won't appreciate that kind of government intrusion. Um, and it's interesting you talk about social credit, because, Mike, when we talk about that, I always wonder, you get demerits for bad behavior. Can you make those scores up? It's kind of like a credit score. Can you improve it and swing it the other way? I, I wonder, <laughs> I don't know. Are, are the digital credit, social credit overlords going to let us do extra work for extra credit? Can I? Can you make I, it back up. You make it up. I mean, it's like if you have a wild youth, can you make up that credit score once you are later in life when most of us calm down? I don't know. I doubt it. I, I certainly have a whole bunch of penance to be doing. For all I was that. thinking about that. I was thinking you have been making it up over the last 20 years, but I don't know what your score would have been before that. Maybe that's a topic for another day, another yeah, segment. I'm going to have to be reincarnated to come up with enough extra credit, Wendy. That's all I'm saying. Start from scratch. Yeah, that's it. That's absolutely it. Uh, her name is Wendy Patrick. You can find out more at wendypatrickphd.com, but I know there's going to be some additions and changes to that website soon, so make sure you go back and visit often. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. And there goes Wendy. We'll keep an eye on all of that. By the way, today's the anniversary of a cartoon in a newspaper that sparked the teddy bear craze in America and around the world because of Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt refused to shoot a bear that had been tied up for him to hunt on a visit to Missouri in 1902, and people started making bears in his honor, and that sparked an entire industry. Teddy bears, all because of a very sporting and fair Teddy Roosevelt. Bully, Teddy, bully. We'll be right back. <laughs> 